All you sickos, Toby's here, and he's introducing the podcast, and I just want to say thank you so much for your support. We really do appreciate it. This is another great episode because of folks like you listening, and just so you know, uh, I even have my own company called Marriage Supply, and it supports and sponsors this podcast, along with amazing companies like 8Sleep, because today's show is sponsored by 8Sleep. Get $150 off your purchase by going to 8sleep.com slash badchristian. Also, today's show is sponsored by OpenFit. Get a 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit by texting the code badchristian to 303030. And last but not least, today's show is sponsored by Joybird. See how Joybird can help you design your dream space and get 25% off your first order by going to joybird.com slash badchristian. Let's get to the show. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extra virgin. No, girl, it's my pleasure. I, I showed my dad that. my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Check, check. Three, hey. two, one. <laughs> my, my. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Joey, I was thinking Mike, I said, I said, nah. <laughs> okay, botch that one, but that's okay. We're going to roll on, and by roll on, I mean roll on down the highway. We're in the tour bus. If you hear any road noise, that's what that's what you got there. So we just crossed the Colorado state line. Yeah, well, and now our bus is filled with weed. Yep. As soon as you cross up. the line, they make you – here in Colorado, it's crazy. You have to buy it. At the, it's, all, it's free at the rest yeah, area. It's Welcome open center. carry here. Like yeah. other states have gun rules. Here, you have to buy weed and carry it on you all the time because who knows when you need it. You might yeah. need it. You know how they have coffee with you know at the rest right. area Welcome Center? It's just all right. weed at Colorado Welcome well, Center. Well, they look at it the same way as people look at guns. Like you carry a gun because just in case you might have to protect yourself or That's something. Right. Right? That's the rules. Well, what if you uh, – just in case you need to party – Yep. Right? You're always ready. You need to have the weed. So, And speaking of road noise, I'm really happy that I ha- we ha- have road noise because our bus has broken down the last three days in a row. <laughs> and Matt, you say it's not breaking down. I don't want to use the term breakdown because we, we're rolling. <laughs> we got rolling each day. We made every gig. We almost always make every gig. And we often yeah. have problems in the tour bus. And that's... I want people to feel what I feel like. It, I feel it physically in my heart. It's just sadness. It's awful. It's this damn uh, road that we always take. Our van broke down on this exact same strip in between, like Springfield, Missouri, and Denver, and that is like 780 miles. And you have to drive through the night to get to the show. It's the biggest show of tour. It's like 800 plus. I mean, it's gonna be a massive show. You can't miss it. The best show, probably gonna be the best merch, everything. And I'm just sitting in a dirt parking lot in Oklahoma City and our bus just won't stay on. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, what do we do? Do we cancel the show? The only reason I'm here, away from my family, everything, and my heart just feels weak, my energy and all this stuff, and it's midnight, yep. and now all of a sudden it's 12.30 a.m., and you're just like, oh, it just feels so awful. And then Josh is just back there working his ass off in the back, and we're all just sitting in here and can't do anything. We tried everything, and then the bus, he starts the bus, and it stays on. And it's like a it's like a, a, a jilted lover or something, I feel like. Like, I love this bus, and it's like she cheats on me. She hurts me. She makes me feel miserable and elated and happy. Yeah, it's high so as happy. lows, man. I think it's really uh, 
you know, the frequency with which we have issues is on the high side. Very high. <laughs> but we do, we do deal Daily? with them. We do deal with them, and that's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's like rolling the dice kind of thing. But the thing that's interesting about it is we, we almost always do figure it out just enough to keep, to keep going. Keep going. But, and we've not had ever anything massively bad happen. But, but this is what I want to talk about today. It's, it, oh, God. When man. you think about the amount of miles that we do on the highway. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't like this conversation. Okay, well, you're really not going to like it, but I'm going to leave the realm of bus <sighs> and go a little deeper here. But, <clears throat> so buckle up. You getting spiritual? No, I'm not going to get spiritual. <laughs> I'm going to get practical, and I might get statistical. Oh, God. But what I'm saying is when you're riding, when you're doing anything, and I always think about this on the road, not only the frequency of breakdown, but my biggest concern is – the amount of miles that we do and have done, I'm always nervous that we're going to have an accident that will be serious. And it's not because we're unsafe and not for any other reason other than right. I think everybody kind of understands the idea that it's not when you have an accident. It's not, it's not if you have an accident or if something goes wrong. It's just a matter of when. So on long enough time scales, uh, if you did 20 million miles, I mean, there's no such thing. You'd have had, you don't. You can't drive 20 million clean miles without right. an incident or accident, right? So yes. almost everything in life has a number that when exposed to it enough, the bad thing is going to happen, right? right? It's just the, I don't know, maybe it's the law of large numbers or something. There's always going to be the thing. So if you drive enough miles in a car, you'll have an accident, right? Yes. Okay, so that makes me think. I don't uh, talk, that's not what I want to talk about, though, but that seems God. to be very understandable to most people. <laughs> but if that is true, right? what does that mean about the science of anti-aging and longevity? <laughs> I knew you were going there. <laughs> well, I mean, just think I'm about joking. it a second. If you do enough miles, you know that you're in for something. Right. It's not a matter of if, but when. Right. I would also say that's true about everything. Do you live enough years? So the something? idea that you could life extension on any long, t- medium-long right. type of time scale at all seems to me to carry an extreme liability of suffering that nobody is even willing to kind of face. So I would say if if you live long enough, think about the types of suffering you would matter-of-factly experience with loss or pain or, I mean, mean, at some point you'd get uh, attacked. At some point you're going to get mugged. At some point you're going to get raped or something, right? Like yes, what's the what's the yeah, oh I mean if you just live long enough you will be attacked by a bad guy or something right yes so you're gonna face <laughs> lo- I mean all the things that just this the longer you live that's an awful conversation well it's, it's just horrible well, it seems like an important one to me because that what that no matter what something bad's gonna happen to you if you live long enough <laughs> so, so what's, what? what, what's Ho- what they're trying to live too hope long? and pray you only live for a I few don't minutes know. no I'm just saying suffering is a bad thing yes and if you lengthen grow the numbers of everything, you open yourself up to an immense amount of suffering. And I, I mean, people, some people say that if you, live, if you live long, like think about how unbearable Ugh. it would be if you live 400 years um, because of anti-aging. But you yeah. still, there's still liability to get killed. Think about the, the ED alone. No, I'm saying you could get murdered. Oh, yeah. Like you, it's, that, it's not that, that you true. can't die. It's that you, can't, that you can survive for 400 years. So if you do survive for 400 years, imagine right. losing your partner at age 30 or a child at age 100. The pain of that would be more unbearable because now you have 300 more years, or, and it's definitely right. going to happen. And it's going to be accidental, right. and, and it'll be such an outlier because you expect to live 400. 
you know, there's just I think there's a lot of issues with yeah longevity that statistically and practically speaking, you're asking for a, a really a world of pain in a way. I could see that. I have thought in the past, like if you live longer, it might cause you to be more careful and more like. Because you're right, like if you, you see somebody be. die, if you can live to 400 years old, you see somebody die at 100, you're like, way too soon. Yes. Oh my gosh. And way too they soon. They died that way. What if I, you know, then you have longer to live and sit with it and think about it and all those things. So I, I can see that for sure. I heard somebody say but, the other day that if we were living on those long time scales, then it would produce an anxiety that you could never, that, that the level of anxiety that there would be would be beyond anything you've, we've ever seen. God. And the people that were, that, to protect their lifespan would never take any risks at all. Right. Think about how it would change your risk profile if you were trying to live to be 500 because that was normal. Yeah. You wouldn't try shit. Right. You, I mean, you know, and a lot of people, especially people right. prone to anxiety, would just be completely crippled. Yeah, because, I mean, right now you're like, well, I mean, what right. if, I, if I cut my life 10 years short, even right. that's not near as much as... 200 years. I know. Wait, I can miss out on 200 Better years not of ride my a kid's motorcycle. life. I mean, or my uh, great-grandkids. Uh, yeah. I think right. if there was no death unless you die on accident, who's riding a motorcycle? Right. Maybe you could live 1,500 years. What if you could live 5,000 yeah. years? You're right. But if you die from because your physical body gets smashed by something, right. you lose 4,895 years oh. of your life. You can't, yeah, you'd take, be way more you can't do anything. Yeah. You'd be paralyzed. Or a lot of people would be. So that's the way I feel when the bus went and start. <laughs> but it's paralyzed and sad. <laughs> All right, this is too sad. Can we bring on Ted Bond? Because this is going to be a good conversation because it is always fun for us when we get to hang out and just chill out and talk to somebody who's been in our shoes and was doing it, I guess, even before us or around us. And Craig's brother is an all-time band oh, for yeah. us. Like, I mean, it, it just is. It's, it's funny. Everybody, y- y'all listeners out there know our friend Aaron Lunsford is a huge uh, Craig's brother tattoo on his arm. I mean, this was an influential band, and a lot of things changed. And so we're just going to have a kind of a fun conversation, talk about a whole bunch of shit, and just uh, have a good time. So Ted Bond coming up here in a second. All right, let's talk about sleep for a second here. But before that, let's talk about an argument you get into with your spouse. Let me guess. You get into an argument about what the temperature is when you're sleeping in bed. She likes one temperature. You like another one. You want it to be 55 degrees, probably, and she wants it to be like 155 degrees, something like that. That's the way it is in my house, it seems. But I've got the solution for you. Of course, it is eight sleep. Eight sleep is one of the coolest beds out there. It's a smart bed. It uses high technology. It's about recovery. It's about rest. It's about getting your best sleep so you have everything going, firing at all cylinders on the next day. And it does that. One of the things it does I think is terrific is dynamic temperature regulation, and it does sleep tracking as well. But that's to enhance your recovery and rest. It learns your sleep habits and your preferences, and it adjusts the temperature automatically. That's a big deal. So they've got studies from Johns Hopkins, and Harvard, they keep coming out with more all the time that sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. So there's not many things much more important than sleep. It's just a big part of our life, and I think everybody kind of knows that by now, but we still haven't got it cracked. A lot of people don't get good sleep. This was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. Eight Sleep makes a crazy comfortable bed, and you'll sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Here's one of the coolest things about it. You can try the pod. What That's the name of their bed, the pod. You can try it for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, 
They'll refund your purchase, and they'll arrange a free pickup. They've already sold out of their first two batches, and they're going really fast. So for a limited time, you can get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash badchristian. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash badchristian. 8sleep.com slash badchristian. Ted, how's it going, man? Hey, guys. Well, Ted, I always get made fun of, man, when we have guys that represent my favorite bands. I always geek out a little bit, and so I'm going to get made fun of, but I don't care. This is I'm one-third host of this podcast, so when I have people on here that I want to talk about my experiences with their bands, damn it, I'm going to do it. So I remember, uh, is that okay with you? Yeah, do what moves you. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I remember listening to Homecoming for the first time, and the first song, Insult to Injury, I was like, I, I can't get into this guy's voice. I'm not going to like this band. And here we are in 2019, and you guys are literally one of my favorite bands ever, one of my favorite voices. Uh, I was actually working in a family Christian store when they removed y'all's uh, album, Homecoming, off the shelves because you were talking, you were singing against objectifying women. But for some reason, I guess you guys used too produ- pr- provocative of, of wording. Uh, but even even Lost at Sea, uh, Matt, you said uh, Aaron Lunsford has even a tattoo of Lost at Sea. Yeah, yeah. Aaron is the drummer for As City's Burning, and uh, he told me, or he, I mean, he says this a lot, but he said, <laughs> this would be an interesting thing to get your comment on, but he says uh, that the first time he heard Lost at Sea, he was super disappointed and irritated and hated it. <laughs> and then it turns out to be his favorite record of all time. He has a giant tattoo of it on his arm today. So that's I wonder, so is that like, is that a common? Th- I mean, to me, that's like, I, I totally under, I think that sounds like a rude thing, but that's actually, as a creator, that's the kind of thing you want to, I mean, in my opinion, I always love that when you find something that's at first glance offensive or weird or different. And you don't resist, and you resist it, but then it sucks you in anyway. Really means it really was powerful. So I, I think that's a compliment. No, I agree. All my, I think all my favorite artists were kind of like that. I remember, uh, I don't know when I when I was a kid, I, I signed up for a Columbia House like CD thing. I don't know if you guys oh, remember yeah. that. I don't even yeah. know if yeah. people do anything like that now that the internet has ruined CDs. But yeah. I got um, just on a whim. I got the Pixies, um, Trump and Mond, and. Uh, I listened to it and I was like, what is this? Right. This is weird. Like, I don't know what this is. I'm going to listen to it again. And I was like, okay, it's still weird. Second time through, but I think I like it. And then third time through, I was like, oh my God, this is my favorite band. <laughs> I'm doing that right now with the Pixies, uh, actually. That's, yeah, Pixies yeah. are so good. But they're a little bit weird at first. And uh, definitely with Craig's Brother, we're not the most accessible band. I tell people... Listen to our CD three times before you judge. It's, it's so true, man. <laughs> it's so true. Like uh, Masonic, is that how you say? I mean, that's that's literally one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. And I it 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 almost it doesn't even really. Re- I mean, I'm sure it it does artistically, but like as as far as looking at uh, bird's eye view of y'all's music, it it doesn't even seem representative of of Craig's brother as a whole. But Lost at Sea was such a to me, it, it was a shock to my system. But I never didn't like that album it was just so i mean tell us some of the uh like did i'm curious a little bit of the history between you guys and tooth and nail did did they did they find you guys or did y'all seek them out like i know with emory for instance these guys mailed out the weeks into as many record labels as they could find and tooth and nail loved it i mean did, did they find you or did you guys find them uh 
we found them. It's kind of funny how that worked because we, you know, we're, we started out, we were a bunch of Christians in a punk band, and we're like, okay, I guess we're a Christian band. Um, but by the time we had made Keeping It Real, which was our seven inch that we yep. put out right before, or about a, I don't know, a year before uh, Homecoming, um, our thinking on that had changed. And we, re- we really felt that. Uh, we were called to be a Christian band. We were called to be a punk band and be among punks. Um, so we kind of made the decision that we weren't going to send our music to any Christian labels. Oh, actually, backstory. There was a, a record label called Frontline Records. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They actually, like the year before, they gave us a letter of intent. Um, and they were all about signing us. And at that point, we were all about being a Christian band, and they were like, you know, super kind of CCM. Totally, they ate yeah. that up. Um, and then the guy who, who, the A and R guy, I guess he lost his job or something because they just basically stopped talking to us. <laughs> um, so after that, we're like, okay, we're not going to do this Christian band thing. And so we sent out our our demo to you know Fat Records and Epitaph Records and all the punk labels that we thought were cool. But Adam, our guitar player, who really wasn't fully on board with this whole move to not be a Christian band, sent the demo to Tooth and Nail. <laughs> <laughs> he snuck it out. <laughs> and the, like, when you look back, are you glad? I mean, like for me personally, I would have never discovered Craig's brother if it wasn't for y'all being on Tooth and Nail because I wasn't. I didn't even listen to non-Christian music at the time. I mean, do you see that as a mistake or a big win in y'all's career, music career? You know, I think overall it was a win. Yeah, and and what really kind of changed my mind about Tooth and Nail was actually talking to to Brandon and Bill Power about their views on Christian music, and they kind of have the same views as me. They're like, "What music is music? It's not Christian or not." The fact that Tooth and Nail, I mean, of course Brandon said that, and they made a lot of money off of people really being all about Christian music, but um, but nevertheless, his actual views on it were a lot more similar to mine than yeah. Than I realized before getting to know. Do you remember? Do you remember uh, an obscure band, Toby? You may remember this band, Delta Haymax. Do you remember them? Yeah, I remember. I, I remember when they dropped that album. It was. Uh, I just assumed everything that that they put. This is such an embarrassing story. I'm going to tell you guys. But um, when they when Delta Haymax came out, I just assumed everything that came out on Tooth and Nail was Christian. That this guy, I I I don't think he cared about Christianity. It didn't seem like it. I, I did some digging and stuff. And at the time it was super important to me. I actually, I remember listening to this album with Toby in my dorm room. And one of the lines in the song was something like, stay the hell away from here or something. Toby was like, Are you, did he just say what I think that he said? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He told, this isn't a Christian band. Like to, Toby, yeah, Toby yeah. actually said, that. I mean, there's no way this is Christian. I actually, and the lead, the songwriter was named Toby of Delta Haymax. I wrote him a snail mail letter to ask why he used the word hell in his song. So, I mean, just how crazy that, but I mean, that's ultimately, that sort of legalistic environment is ultimately, I, I think, I just, I did some digging on Craig's brother. Didn't you guys have like a picture on your website with one of y'all shooting the bird and that was like the straw that broke the camel's back with you guys in tooth and nail or is that just rumor or what no that definitely one of the straws gotcha um so yeah that legalistic environment i don't think we really were quite a good fit for that yeah. scene um, yeah, that makes sense and even though even though bill and brandon kind of talked to the talk of being like you know music is music it's not christian or not christian 
when it really came down to it, they weren't happy when our CDs got sent back from family bookstores. Right. Right. Um, and it, it also happened. No, <laughs> the funny thing is lost at sea. Um, they kind of just shelved it. Like they were so over us and our, Gosh. Um, but what happened was family bookstores, actually people were going to family bookstores requesting it. So family right. bookstores went to tooth and nail and requested it. And so it ended up being the only distributor that picked it up was the Christian distributor, which was just kind of hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's, that like getting our CDs sent back from family bookstores, and that and that really was because of the lyrics about her lawn may need mowing, but still I can't prevent my eyes from becoming obscene. That whole anti-objectifying women is was that the major problem with Homecoming? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. if you're a Christian band, you have to pretend that you don't have genitalia. Right. <laughs> you can't talk about it, or if you talk about it, you have to use code. <laughs> did you? Did y'all know? I mean, this is just interesting tooth and nail stuff. Did y'all know that? Roadside Monument came out with a song called Sperm Ridden Burden, and they could not even put that out there. They had to abbreviate it and do it. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. All right, folks, getting fit and staying healthy always sounds easier said than done, and that is the truth. I'm on tour right now, and when I think about, oh, I need to go run for 30, 40 minutes, maybe do all this stuff, I I get overwhelmed, and I just uh, sometimes don't do it, and that's the problem. But with Open Fit... All that is changing, and I'm serious right now. OpenFit is bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session, and that's what I need. I need to sweat it out for sure. Uh, Lose that commute to the gym, and workouts come to you. So let me tell you what OpenFit is. OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand-new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room, seriously, or bus, or wherever you want to do it at, in as little as 10 minutes a day. Seriously, amazing trainers and classes. It's super simple. Forget all of the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play and work out. Seriously, just press play, work out on your schedule. Like uh, You can do 600 seconds with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins. It packs the fat burning, muscle building, and body sculpting benefits. Oh, I, I can't wait till my body's sculpted. Uh It packs all that in and just a fraction of the time normally. So I just want you guys to all try it and love it and experience it because it's working pretty good for me. OpenFit has changed the way I work out. So you can use our code BADCHRISTIAN and you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use our code BADCHRISTIAN to start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life because... Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, our listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you use that code BADCHRISTIAN and text it to 303030. That's 303030. You'll get free access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutrition and information, totally free. Again, all you got to do, text BADCHRISTIAN to 303030. That's 303030. BADCHRISTIAN to 303030. Do it right now, OpenFit. It's cool. The problem, the problem was, is that it, yeah, it, it was presented as it. So, Tooth and Nail really was the only place you could tell your parents that, hey, wait, this is Christian music that I actually like, because otherwise there was nowhere else to go. So they were, they did find that niche of, hey, these are Christians that want to like good music or want to at least have something cool to say, hey, Christian music is cool or something like that. And there was nowhere else to go. And so any any stepping out of the line, I can remember was it. Uh, what was the other punk band, the, the, the guitar player's name, Jackson? Uh, Slick Shoes. 
Yeah, Slick Shoes. Mm-hmm. I remember somebody saying he was smoking backstage, and I was oh, like, yeah. whoa, uh, oh, he's smoking? Shit. What does that oh, mean? God. You know, I just don't understand what it means. And then once you get in a band, you're like, oh, what in the hell was wrong with me? It was the, it was the craziest thing. The thing I remember about Craig's brother was you guys, so when, before we got on Tooth and Nail, maybe even we, we, we got on maybe even right towards a little bit at the end, there were uh, this punk. They, they were signing like every possible pop punk band and yeah. punk band around. And I just didn't like any of them, hardly, at all. <laughs> the Most of them I didn't like at all. And then I was like, what is this Craig's brother thing? Good Lord, it really stood out as like, it, it, it's funny too, because in the punk scene, a lot of people like, you know, like my, my dad, for example, which is, it all sounds the same. It's just, digga, 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 you know, the drums or whatever, and there's not much going on. And it was really unique what y'all captured. You really did capture something. And then it sounds like, did you, did you feel like, oh, with Homecoming, we're really, there's some real success here. And now... Like you said, your second album was almost shelved or whatever. Like, or did you feel like it was being ripped away from you? You know, so it was 2000 when we recorded Lost at Sea. It was 2001 by the time it finally came out. And I don't know, I don't know how you felt about the music scene at that time, but I kind of had this feeling like everything was getting ripped away. Like, there was this, uh, you know, Napster came out. Yeah. And there was this kind of like, to me, I thought it was really hopeful. Like, wow, you could share your music with anyone in the world through this platform. Um, but then the the law ruled against Napster. Um, and, oh, you know what? That was actually, I should mention this. That was actually another, uh, another of the straws that broke the camel's back with Tooth and Nail. When Napster came out, um, somebody put a Craig's Brothers song on and they said, Lagwagon, no effects, Craig's Brothers. <laughs> so all these people that were looking for Lagwagon and No Effects found Craig's brother, and we got a lot of fans through that. So I was like, Napster's great. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. And I even came out and said, like, Napster's great. Like, we're on board with Napster. Screw Metallica. Um, <laughs> and Tooth and they got really mad at me for that. They're really? really they're like, you're telling people to steal our music. Yeah. Um, so by 2001, I was like wow, this whole thing, like the whole music scene is over, is what I thought. Which in a sense, like it did kind of go into a slump. But um, yeah, it just seemed like it was all over. Not just tooth and nail, but like everything was going downhill and everyone was freaking out. And all sorts of labels were going out of business. Which is which is interesting because I think early on, that was a very, like I would say you're a pioneer in your thinking because early on, that was the general consensus is Napster sucks. This is messing up the music industry. But you could see, wait a second, this is what caused people to hear about Craig's brother, which, oh yeah, it's about the music. It's not, you know, it's not about anything else than people enjoying the music that you're writing. So I, I definitely think you were pretty forward thinking in that. It, it's it's interesting because you, uh, you, it seems like the path that you guys took, Craig's brother, is very atypical because most bands, I hear Matt and Toby talk about this all the time because they've rubbed shoulders with so many different bands, but most bands, they start off with almost like an evangelical edge of, man, we're a band, we belong to God, and we're, you know, we're going to go out and and uh, do this for God's glory. And I mean, even these guys from Emory, I, I remember them praying before shows and, and all this stuff where it seems like you guys entered that sort of scene not with that sort of evangelical edge, which hence seems to be kind of outlying the the problem that you're, I don't know if it's a problem or, or what, but just basically the conflict that, did you always feel it? Like since day one, did you always feel that? Like, oh, I'm not sure about this relationship. Definitely with the Christian music scene. 
But yeah. just to be clear, um, we kind of saw what, or we did see what we were doing as a, as evangelical as well. Um, but our problem with the Christian music scene was that there was nobody but Christians in it. Right. You're not reaching any non-Christian kids. Like maybe the idea is like, oh, you're going to bring your like non-Christian kids to the Christian show. And that I'm sure that did happen. But we're, we were like, we felt that we were called to be among punks. And that God didn't inspire us to make a punk band so we could play punk music for Christians who weren't allowed to listen to the real punk music because it had too many bad words. Right. Um, I remember, I think, it, I don't know, it was right around the time when the band formed. <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. Uh, one of my favorite bands is Propagandi. I don't know if you're familiar with Propagandi. There's punk as it gets, right? Um, and they came, and this was right when punk rock was really taken off. And all these like football jocks and stuff were really into punk in high school all of a sudden. And then Propagandi came to town and the drummer stuck a drumstick up his butt. <laughs> and uh, all these like jock guys that were like all about punk rock were like, oh, dude, like those guys are and said a bunch of, you know, slurs against homosexuals about them. And to me, like, that was an inspiring moment. I'm like, because I didn't, you know, I became a punk because I wasn't one of those in jock guys. So when they all got into it, I was like, screw you guys. Like, you're just on on with the trend. And then Propagandi came along and basically gave them all, gave their whole jock attitude, like, a run for its money. Um, so what am, I, what am I getting at? We felt called to be among those sorts of people who stick a drumstick up their butt. Right? <laughs> Not among people who are only there because their mommy doesn't want them to say bad words. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ted, what is a punk? You've referenced it several times. What was punk? I think that propaganda sticking a drumstick up their butt pretty much captures it. And it's not just – the difference is, though, propaganda sticking a – no. No, it's not just propaganda sticking a drumstick up their butt. <laughs> it's the way that the jocks reacted to that. Yes. It's done yeah. on purpose. It's provocative. It's, it's, to, it's yeah. making – yeah, it's making a statement about what counts as valuable and important and basically saying that, like, all you cool kids – all you, and also all all you wealthy people, all you powerful people, capitalists, everything. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, yeah. Was getting everything. yeah everybody who's on the inside, we're on the outside, and we don't care. We're gonna stick a drumstick up our butt, <laughs> like just to be, <laughs> just because we don't want to be you. Yeah, right. And the reaction to it is that that's just funny. It it isn't the actual stick going into the butt it's what it represents and that's what scared the jocks or made them have to go whoa uh uh-uh, bro no what you know what i mean like that reaction is what yes that feels so great that you could do something like that and Open it, defiance, it, it calls right? it calls it it's, it's not a it not only not only maybe it's funny or whatever but that's not even the intent the intent is to do something that makes those people reveal who they are <laughs> so, you know what i mean in that <laughs> moment the jocks had to reveal who they actually are they're not punks you just, jobs, nailed it. That, you just nailed yeah. it so hard. Yeah, and it, it's a situation that basically, like, yeah, reveals your heart, reveals who you are, yeah. where you stand. Everybody wants to feel at home, at their home, and they want to feel like their furniture is, is theirs. Are you missing a couch or chair that says, man, this is my home? We all want a haven. We all want a place that feels uniquely you, and that's where Joybird comes in. Joybird With these guys, you get your one-of-a-kind furniture crafted to your unique taste. You want that bubblegum pink couch? You can have it with Joybird. Whatever you can dream of, they can deliver. Uh, These guys, they have quality handcrafted furniture. Each piece is made by hand with care and precision. And you can even take the party outside with their unique outdoor collection 
Beautiful selection of outdoor sofas, lounge chairs, tables, and more. And by the way, all of this, lifetime, uh, limited lifetime warranty included. What makes this such a special deal also is these guys are so confident in their product. You got a 365-day home trial. Skip the furniture store and bring the showroom home. Sit on it, sleep on it, break it in. If you don't love your Joybird products, return for a full refund. Hassle-free in-home delivery. Heck, they'll even remove all the packing materials. Free returns within two weeks of delivery. So, See how Joybird can help you design your dream space. Find your joy today at joybird.com slash badchristian. Create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com slash badchristian. So go to joybird.com slash badchristian and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code badchristian. In that era, too, I was talking to my brother and and our friend Logan about back in the day, too, when a band that you listened to for so long and it was kind of underground and it's catching steam. You're like, man, this band's so awesome. You actually, not you, but people that listened to that band actually got super frustrated when the jocks caught on. Like the Weezer Blue album, for instance. It was underground for a little while. When the jocks caught on, it pissed off some of the tried and true indie you know i mean it's just it's such a funny funny chaotic time of of indie music and discovering bands and and all that stuff like devil in the details what was the uh chain of events that brought you guys back together to make a new album and is this just an album that y'all are putting out there y'all touring is craig's brother back in full force or what's going on it's good by the way i like it a lot Craig's brother is not exactly back in full force. It's it's a really weird situation these days. But um, how did it come about? So let's see. I got divorced in 2012. Uh, after that, Scott and I, Scott, the bass player of Craig's brother, moved in together. And we just started jamming a lot on a, kind of just some weird, different stuff. And then... In 2017, I think Scott just announced on Facebook that we were going to put out new music. <laughs> I think he may have been drinking a little. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, new music. And I'm like, all right, you said it, bro. Let's do it. So it was basically like he said it. I felt like we had to honor what, as, what we said as a band, even though I didn't say it. And so we started working on some new music and blowing and about two years later, here's Devils in the Details. Um, as far as the band, it's really weird because everybody's grown up. Everybody has families. Well, no, not Scott. But, um, you know, we live in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is, it's so, it's such a rat race. It's really yeah. expensive here. And everybody's working like ridiculous hours, more than 40 hours a week just to survive. Where can you even practice there? Make noise. Seems like you couldn't. Exactly. We don't even have a practice space right now. <laughs> well, how do you make? How do you jam and make music with your with Scott? There's a rehearsal place, so we would just do that, like with my acoustic guitar, him, him put like in his room. Just, but uh, there is a rehearsal space that we go to when we need to rehearse. Like we can rent it by the hour. So it's not like we can't practice ever, but it's also not like we like when we first started. We would just go to Heath's house and jam all day, and that was our life. Definitely that's not the case. I'm in a different position from the rest of my band, though. Um, I make my money tutoring math. Uh, pays all right, especially, I mean, around here, people there's people that can afford to pay pretty good. Um, 
but it also is not a 40 hour a week job. I do it, right. you know, from between three and five or I mean between three and eight on Monday through Thursday. So I have all this free time. So I'm like, and, and the weird thing is like, I'm not, I've discovered that I, I kind of had this idea that I was going to like move from music into some other more serious career. Hasn't happened for me and I don't think it's going to. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just kind of accepted that this is my life. I might as well just keep making music and, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, if if the band the band guys are not always available, just because they have to work so hard, so so right. it's going to be a matter of filling in with different people. But the nice thing is, is that Craig's brother has had so many different members over the years, especially guitar players, that there's a lot of guys that I can call and say, "Hey, are you available for this show or that show?" So theoretically, we will be doing some shows right now. That's cool, man. That's, That's so true. Cool. I've had a ton of members, so you can you can just <laughs> you just go down the list, right? Until somebody says, "Yeah, actually, I can do that," right? Yeah, totally. And after this many years, like whatever hard feelings there may have been, hard they're yeah. all it's all water under the bridge. Like it's a, kind of a big family now. now That's what I was going to ask you. But before we jump too far ahead, at the end of when it, when you kind of were calling it quits, wh- when did y'all officially like say it was over in the like two thousand what? Before you made this comeback in the twenty fourteen or whatever. When you started writing, or you know, started writing again, I would say we're we're like the phoenix because there's been a lot of times where we called it over, and then we always yeah. somehow managed to come back. Um, in 2001, Heath got married, and for some reason, he decided that that meant he had to quit the band. Uh, but then he came back in 2003, and then we made Epidemic in 2004. Um, actually, between 2004, between Epidemic and Insidious Lie, we never quit. We actually kept practicing that whole time, but the whole music scene scene seemed so weird to us. We just kind of stopped. Like it was more like us just hanging out and practicing than like focusing right. on being a band and playing shows. Uh, and actually that was a really great time. I love that time. I miss that. Like we would practice twice a week and it was just hanging out with bros. I don't even have a group of bros that I hang out with anymore. Right. Uh, but then what happened is in 2010, Andy Snyder, who is actually the person who formed the band in 1995, he just kind of found himself in a position in life where he needed some bros to hang out with. He started coming to practice and, and jamming with us. And then he was like, you know what, let's make a record. And, uh, so we ended up making insidious lie. And then let's see, we, after insidious lie, we toured Europe, we played a few shows. And then in 2012, um, I mean, I mentioned that's when I got a divorce and I'm, what do you say to something like that, by the way? Do you say, sorry? Yeah, you're allowed to say, that. Well, is that a, like a cuss word? But when I was in 2012, shit hit the fan in so many directions. Um, and a lot of it is stuff that I'm not even sure how to talk about because I don't want to, I don't know. There's a long story regarding Heath that one day is going to come out. And it's a really sad story, and I'm not ready to tell it yet. That's fine. Um, but we'll hold a spot for you when you're ready. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, um, I don't know. The only main reason I'm not willing to tell it is because he's still in a really bad situation. And I don't know if it's cool to, uh, sure. Kind of, I don't know. I, I want, yeah. I'm hoping the best for him. So I don't, I don't know whether I don't, I don't know how to deal with it. Honestly, but that's, yeah. you may have said too much already. Let us I know if you want us to did. edit that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it sounds like you care, and you, that's why you don't want to talk about it because you respect and love the dude or something. You want him to be, get get in a better place in life. So that that's understandable, and not telling the story might be the right thing. We we understand. It sounds like a really bad situation. That that's clearly obvious, and it sounded like you were going through a bad time as well, right? In twenty twelve, you said shit hit the fan in all kinds of ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, I lost my best friend and my wife. Like almost in like one fell swoop and it wasn't because they were cheating on each other or anything. It was like completely like separate circumstances, but at the same time, very similar circumstances. Yeah. I'm, I'm like debating whether I should just tell the story because I feel like th- there's a lot of people out there who really love Heath and he just kind of disappeared off the face of the planet. They don't know what happened. And they all want to know. Well, let's try this. Toby's being good cop over there. He set you yeah. up to go back and divert in the other way. I'll yeah. be the bad cop. Here. Come on, Ted, just tell us. <laughs> just tell us you well, want to tell us the people want to hear yeah. just go on ahead give us a version and I look like a real jerk yeah. because I I posted round right right around when that happened I posted on the, on our Facebook it was this milk carton you know how they used to put the missing children on the yeah. milk cartons yeah. and I put Heath's face on there and I made this joke about how he like had left to go to his uh, home planet and um, with anybody with any knowledge of the ancient future which is something that he used to talk about a lot please contact us Okay, and people got really offended because he really did kind of disappear. And uh, so for all those fans, if you're listening, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you or hurt your feelings about Heath. Here's the true story. 2012, Heath, we actually had a tour booked in uh, South America. We had uh, this really big show with Slick Shoes and Dogwood. at uh, It was at Chain Reaction in Anaheim. The day of the show, Heath confessed to us that he was addicted to methamphetamine uh, and Oxycontin uh, uh, painkillers. And that he couldn't do the show because he, he basically needed his drugs. Dang. It's actually a lot worse than that. What I, I mean, I don't know the whole story. I've never talked to any of his doctors, but I can see it now looking back. He was struggling with mental illness for a long time. Uh, borderlining on schizophrenia. So these drugs like pushed him over the edge. Some people can do those drugs and recover from it. He completely lost his mind. Did he keep it completely hidden? Like, were you guys shocked or were y'all like, Oh, now things make sense. It was, there was a little bit of now things make sense, but he did do a pretty good job of managing it for a while. Yeah. Um, but after that, like the, the, and how quick he went downhill, and how far he went, like literally, it, the last I heard of him, he was standing on the side of the road yelling at traffic. Like, Oh, oh man. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's why I feel bad saying anything, because here's a uh, person who's not really, he's not capable of def- telling his own story. Even. Right. Um, I, I think it's, I mean, I think it makes sense that you're talking about it. And let me also give you an out here. I appreciate this. I would like to continue with this line, if that's okay with you, but also give you an out if you change your mind about this we can we can edit this and take this out so yeah and i don't think you're you're not talking shit about this guy you're not you're you're telling real what you do the story that you know if it'd be way different like yeah fuck him man he's a piece of shit he left our band you're not doing that this sounds like this it it really affected you as well you're talking about your friend your bandmate and all those things oh yeah no i i mean he, he was literally my best friend at the time and uh, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm heartbroken. I miss my friend. I, I, it's like he's dead, but he's not. He's still like hanging out somewhere under a bridge. 
And that's what, unreal. What is it like when people, like, you know, the homelessness thing's a, a huge deal. San Francisco, Seattle, L.A., and beyond. That's crazy when I'm looking out at the the population here in Seattle and seeing people in tents and on the street and schizophrenic people and stuff and thinking that could be the guy from Craig's brother or it could be me or it could be somebody like that. I mean, that's a profound thing when you put the two and two together there. How is it that you... How is it that you can't like go get him and make him live in your garage and force it to work? I mean, I know that's silly, but what like how how is he on the street? Why can't somebody help him? You know, yeah, I, I, what, a lot of us, of his friends have tried. The last time I really hung out with him was right before I got married, and it really seemed like he was, you know, he, he seemed pretty normal, and like he helped me like clean up my yard to get ready for some guests coming over and all this stuff. And, um, so I decided to let him house at the house while we went on our honeymoon. Um, even though Scott was, was living here at the time. So it wasn't like he needed to be here, but I figured you could, you know, take care of the animals and stuff. Scott's probably not going to remember to do that. Um, and he ended up bringing people over and doing drugs in my house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Like I got a family. I got a, you know, I got a wife. I got my son living here. Like, there's that's just not acceptable. Like, so, and it's just that kind of thing. Like, yeah, you want to help someone like that, but a lot of times it's it's not as simple as just helping. I mean, what they need is since serious medical care. Yeah, they need to be in like a, he needs to be in a rehab or maybe even a, a permanent living place situation where he can't get a hold of drugs and where he's constantly being monitored. Like, he's yeah. at that level. Like he certainly couldn't maintain a job, let's say, or anything like that, you know? Yeah, no. And and it's one thing, like some people just get addicted to the drugs and then they manage to quit and go on with their lives. But what's often going on with these people that you see on the street is it's a, it's not just drugs. It's also mental illness. Yes, of course. And yeah. they're not necessarily ever going to be the sort of people who could hold down a regular job. Right. Um, so how do you, I mean, yeah, how do you deal with that? Yeah, the drugs are real tangled up with the mental illness part, you know, and then probably lack of support in some other areas. What about his family? Yeah, his family, um, his parents have have been trying hard to help him in any way they can. And he's, uh, you know, they've put him into rehabs and he's gone through rehab and come out and got back on drugs. And I I mean, I don't know what's going on with them now, but um, I know that they are willing to do pretty much anything to help him. Gosh, it's just so That's, hard because there is no like for for him and people like him in that situation. And to an extent, they feel like they deserve this. They think I'm fucked up. I deserve any. And there's there's always pain or shame. And so the drugs help dull everything that I could possibly feel and just try to avoid everything. And, and it's not like you can go, hey, let's get you help. Oh, help works. You know, they, they just they don't even understand help. They're just in some arrested development or some. I mean, obviously has some some mental problems going on. But there might have been some, you know, some stuff that happened in his past or some things that got a hold of him and it just got worse and worse and worse. And there's just no way out of it. And that just sounds super difficult. And and that was when. So did he come to the chain reaction show and say, hey, listen, I can't play. I mean, that's or did he just text you or call you or what? He he. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he emailed like me and the promoter and was just like, hey, I can't do it. Oh, man. Um. And then, you know, and then we just decided not to go. We really should have just shown up and played with acoustic guitars or whatever. Yeah. Um, the good news, though, is that there was a band that filled our spot. There, 
so to me it's amazing that they did this. It was uh, Stephen, our one of our guitar players, his side project, Brookhurst. If you haven't heard Brookhurst, check them out. They're amazing. They just put out a new record, um, I think, in April. Are you hmm. saying Brookhurst? Like H? Brookhurst. It's so yeah. good. It's punk rock. It's it's a lot like Craig's Brother. You can hear the Craig's Brother influence, but it's so good. Um, and they ended up just jumping on stage and playing and doing our spot. Oh, that's cool. Um, it sucks y'all missed that show. So, I know. All right, I, so. and a lot of people like people flew out to see us, and so people were mad about that. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, st- there's sometimes there's things you can't help, and, and y'all probably did, were, at the time you couldn't. Did you even? What did you say? Why did you say yeah, you didn't play you the show? About it? That was the hardest part. Was we couldn't right. say. Like really, like I was just trying to scramble and figure out how we could like save face and not let a, let the cat out of the bag. Right. Um, I mean, I. The South American tour, I'm like, dude, you're going to South America. That's where all the drugs come from. You, you know, like, <laughs> if drugs are your problem, South America should be fine. But that, he, I think it was the flight and all of that stuff that he like yeah. didn't right. feel he could could ha- keep it together for. Yeah. Looking back, he, it's so weird because so many bands do so much drugs. And I don't think it, I mean, it was the drugs, but I think the, the mental illness should be emphasized more than the drugs because he... Uh, I I, know, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, I can see it that he was really dealing with with some struggles that um, the rest of us didn't have a clue. And I would say it's on the level of multiple personality disorder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think schizophrenia is one of the most dangerous, craziest ones because it's like the, you know that's the kind of one where it can be under the surface and drug use can trigger it. They say, and, and yeah. people in their twenties, I think that's relatively common. Like drugs that don't affect for me or you will take somebody who's borderline schizophrenic and send them over some kind of edge or something. It's, I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I've heard right. heard stuff like that. So that's uh, that's thank you, Ted, for sharing that with us. I mean, I think yeah. that's a, a tough spot, obviously, because a band is such an interdependent thing, not just with itself. Like you're trying to do your job, but your job involves these other people, but not just them. It involves the fans. The fans are part of a band in a way that customers are not a business can shut down. Okay. The customers can go somewhere else. Okay. But the relationship of a band and their fans and the inner band relationships are very serious stuff. And, and to be put in a position that's that difficult and to not be able to talk about it sounds pretty difficult. So thank you yeah. for, for sharing it with us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to get it off my chest. Well, no problem at all. So you got your new record coming out. It's uh, out, boy. It, it's, it's out. out and and, yep. uh, and are y'all y'all are planning some shows? What, what's what's the future with Craig's brother here? We don't actually have any shows in the works, but uh, I want to. I really want to go. What I want to do is go to Europe next uh, 2020 for the whole summer. Uh, just live there with my family and do shows. Uh, Sounds cool. How do you? How do you what? What? Per, what would allow or prevent one from like living a such a dream? <laughs> so, so I'm a math tutor, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, most of my work happens during the school year. I, I mean, I actually I get plenty of work over the summer, but there's summer gigs. I wouldn't be hurting my business to just take a summer off. Uh, so I can do that. Laura's in college, so she can do that. Um, and basically just the whole scene is better in Europe. It's, yeah. it, it's hard in the U.S. Um, so we just Airbnb the house. and That's a great idea. Go to Europe. Would the whole band go or just you? Or how would you work out the, the shows? 
See, that's the thing. Most of the band can't do that. Um, so those Europeans can play too. You can find some bass players over there. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. find people. Or we'll, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, what'll probably end up happening is we'll go for the whole summer, and the band will come out for a couple weeks, and then go home. Right. Um, that is so. A good that's idea. there's that. I know we'll play Canada. We always play Canada. Canada always wants us, and it always works out because they're willing to pay us enough to make it happen. I think that's part of the problem with the U.S. is everybody wants us to play, but it's like, you know, we're not we're not going to shell out a bunch of money to fly out right. to Jacksonville, Florida, or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bands that do really well internationally that don't do well in the United States. Sometimes even if they're from Canada, United States, and a part of it is, can you imagine if you had all of the U.S. markets condensed in like four cities, like you do in Germany or something? Right. Like if, if everybody, you know, with that population, if it was just New York, L.A you know, Orlando and Chicago, and they were all pretty close to one another, like they are in Germany, then you could do some, some kick-ass shows, but you got to spread it out to 35 markets here to even bit make it worth it. So if it gets thin, it's thin. Right. Right. And I think, I, I mean, I don't know how it is where you guys are, but at least on the West coast, there's not the, the culture that used to really love live music. Isn't as, isn't what it used to be. Right. That's true. People got, grow, grew up and have babysitters cost too much. Shows used to cost seven dollars, and now it's, you spend a hundred and fifty dollars by the time you pay a sitter, eat dinner, buy a drink, and get home. So that, that not to mention ticket fees. <laughs> and right. it feels almost as if the smaller band scenes have just gotten so much more thin. Like it used to really matter to people that, that even the scene or the music and that a band was coming to town or something like that. And now it just feels like uh, they just rather listen to go see somebody at the arena that was on the radio. That's seemingly edgy or something like that. You know what I mean? People don't, people don't value music as much. That's why really? I think is, is indie kind of dying. I, I mean, uh, I just didn't know well, that. I, I mean, it might not ever die, but like, I, and I sound like an old man, like oh, we're the, you know, those young kids don't understand music, but it's the same thing. Nobody wants to read like you were talking with, uh, with lost at sea or whatever. It, that is a huge humongous compliment that somebody can't understand your music so easily that they have to sit through it a little bit and then understand it's their favorite record. You know yeah, what I mean? People, people don't, don't do want to do that anymore. anymore. I think, yeah. I think that's almost the highest compliment when you, because for me personally, there's been tons of bands that when I listened to the record, I was like, Oh dude, this is a disappointment. But back in the day you had to pay $16, which was a lot for that CD or, or, or even the tape or whatever. And so I, I was like, well, I spent $16. I got at least listened to it five times to get my money's worth. And by the fifth time, I'm like, holy shit. I didn't understand it. And now I do. And it's yep. amazing. Oh, whoa. This is really good. Now, if it, if you, I mean, you, all you got, you can go to Spotify and listen to any song immediately. And if you don't like it in that instant, there's, see ya. I don't, I'm not going right. to talk to you anymore. And the algorithm says he doesn't like it. Don't give it to him again. Don't show that. Yeah. I, give it a Avoid thumbs down. That. Yeah, yep. not, not yeah, making this to it five more so times crazy. so that he likes it. That's not where we're at with algorithms. It's, it's, yet. Uh, if I would have listened to me without you in 2019, I would have probably moved on to something else. Now I love them. Like there's so Jimmy World Clarity. I didn't I didn't care for it the first time around. I was like, this is okay. And now it's I mean it's it really is crazy that that is an art that's gone and it ain't coming back. I, I mean, I, well, I guess the people that are into vinyl, that's kind of what they're they're like rediscovering how to listen to music. Maybe that's what but, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, because that's what I've been doing. I've been I got well, you can't see it, but I have my record player back here. Uh, I mean, it's you know, vinyl's a pain in the butt. Um, you have to be really careful not to scratch it. And if your record player isn't set up just perfect, it skips and all this stuff. But all of that care puts you in a position where you're going to listen a little bit more intently as opposed to 
you know, today people put on Pandora or Spotify. Half the time you're like, what are you listening to? They're like, I don't know. Yeah. Spotify. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you like you're saying, you spent $16, you buy that album, you're going to listen to it five times. You're also going to look at the cover art while you're listening to it. You're probably going to read the lyrics or liner notes if there's anything to read. All of that was part of the experience. You're going to check and see if they thank God for sure. Go ahead. Definitely, definitely. Do they thank God? <laughs> I don't know if they're really Christian. Do exactly. they thank God? <laughs> I, did I did that. that. I looked That's at me. that. I did that Damn all the it, time. I hate, my, I hate that kid that I was. I hate that little fucker that was like, uh, look on the, uh, here, they said they love Jesus and thank you, Oh, it you, made Jesus. my and day. I, thought that I enjoyed something. the album more. I enjoyed it, the album more. God, how stupid could I be? I, what an idiot. <laughs> Just so you know, um, you can listen to Craig's Brother Devils in the Details because we thank God. Hell yeah. <laughs> you don't have to feel guilty. <laughs> this has been great man Woo! definitely what talking to someone man. whose music i used to listen to 20 years ago my gosh we're all old yeah all yeah ted you old. ted you don't understand how big of a fan joey is we used to we were roommates in college and i remember one time i came into our bedroom and walked into our bathroom and he was standing in there pants <laughs> down by his ankles going to town and he was crying singing she's just a page in a mag he was I, it was unbelievable what's wrong with I, you I was like it's this true. guy is a fan a he was story. he felt condemned and he was singing the song and still going to town on himself yeah. so you have it, even when you walked in i didn't stop yeah he didn't stop he was Couldn't like hey stop. i got to finish <laughs> All right, with that. Ever burned on my mind. <laughs> All right, Ted, thanks for joining with, with us today, man. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, so uh, you want to tell anybody where they can find the, you? Well, where, uh, where real they, quick, I, I enjoyed your super old blog, by the way. You need to keep that going. It's been a couple of years, but good stuff. The punk I know, gospel, I, I think it is. Yeah, it's good stuff. So I'm sorry, Toby, for cutting you off. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you, do you, where, where can people find the record or find you guys if they're looking for more? About well, it's Crazy called Brothers. iTunes and Spotify, Toby. Okay. It's where people All find right, music sure. these days. Yeah, that's yeah. true. If you want to buy a CD or something, you can go to Indie Vision Music. I think it's indievisionmusic.com. Okay. Uh, and that, that's where all that stuff is available. Wow, are we almost done already? We yeah, are, we're man. Sorry. Up. We didn't get to talk about God or theology or anything. We, we, we want to leave people hanging. We want to uh, bring you back in the future. Yeah, we got to talk about God and politics and punk rock and Hell Jesus, because yeah. um, I got a lot to say about that. But th this has been great. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate your time for sure. Um, all right, Ted. Thank you very much, man, for joining us. Of course. Thank you. All right, Ted Bond, everybody. It's always interesting and fun to talk shop with other musicians. You never know where it's going to go, and we got something interesting. Got a scoop there, I guess. I like thought that was interesting to hear him Uh Tell some stories that maybe he wasn't going to tell before, but good stuff. Uh, okay, what do we got next? We have uh, we have BC Club people. We've got oh, we've got all in interviews, don't we? Cool. Okay, so we've got up first Kara. Kara's been in the BC Club for a long time. She was at the conference. Kara, are you there? Can you hear me? Hello, A. What is up? <laughs> Hello, my Canadian it, RV hello, friend. Hello, A. Uh, your favorite letter's A, right? Okay, so things I know about her immediately before she says a word. She loves the letter A and saying it, and she loves loonies and toonies, which they Canada stole that from us, and because uh, we had Looney Tunes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those are all true things, right? Of course, of course. So Kara's Canadian is what the deal is there, but A is spelled E H. No, it's yeah. not the letter A. 
Yeah, it's like a question. All right. Hey. Now, the, what's most interesting about Kara is she's exactly like me. I all only want to live in an RV, but Kara actually realizes that dream and I lives am very in an RV. So tell me about that. Um. Well, what do you want to know? I mean, it's uh, it's pretty great. Is it well, mobile? Why, like, why live in an RV? Kinda... What's the What's the reason to live in an RV? What do you well, like about it? I like that I have like almost no stuff, so I don't have to deal with all the stress of of a million things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can move it whenever I want. So my cat, like if if I need to move, my cat doesn't have to readjust to a new place, right? Because um, cats don't like moving. Um, <laughs> so that's why you live in an RV. <laughs> Got it. Cats don't like moving. <laughs> so you're a cat person. <laughs> you are a cat person. Well, I like dogs too, but uh, but cats are easy. What's your so. cat's name? Oscar. Oscar. All right. We had a uh, we had Roscoe and Lola. Lola has since passed, and then Oscar lives with Grandma now. But anyway, and you did the work on your RV, Kara. Yeah, yeah, I redid everything. So it took about a month, um, which would have been a lot longer if it was mm-hmm. a house. So there's another benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we painted everything and we put all the like faux wood and everything. So I mean, I think you saw the pictures of it. I did. I think it was terrific. After. What a satisfying feeling it is to have placed everything in your house physically yeah. and to know where it is and where the wires run and just to have this whole sense of your everything about your home is a good feeling. I just love that. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing and like yeah, like it's 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 very easy maintenance and I have like two of each dish. So Love that. dishes is fast. That's so awesome. It's the best. Where do you park um, it at? Where do you stay? I'm in a I'm in a place called Campers Corner. So it's like a it's an R V park, so it's like a it's in the middle of like a forest, um, yeah. on Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. It's, See, it's really I don't think people it. understand, like you you probably live in a really pretty place and get way more uh, scenery and nature than most people do, right? And there's a community there. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I like, I mean, like my downtime is like hanging out in my hammock, watching like the stars or the trees. Like there's right. three bunnies in my yard the other day. Three. Dang. <laughs> now people that live in RV campgrounds don't have the best reputation. Many of them, is, it, is the stereotype true? Is it a bunch of off the grid pedophiles hiding from the law or what? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Um, I know that I'm not a pedophile hiding from the law. Um, but, uh, I mean, actually, it's kind of great because it makes it super inexpensive. That's the other advantage Mm -hmm. Um, because they have a, like, you're right, they have a terrible reputation, which makes it super, super cheap to live. Um, Which we benefit from, apparently, because you're an all-in BC Club member. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I was thinking. Would you drive, if we could do the Bad Christian Conference next year instead of down in Texas, if we did it in the West Coast or somewhere that you could access, would you drive your RV down? And you wouldn't have to pay for a place to stay. Somebody stay with you in an RV at the conference. Yeah, you can rent your place wow. out. You can rent it out rent and make some buck. Some buck. <laughs> um, that would be a lot of work because I need a three-quarter ton truck to, uh, okay, to move Okay, never it. mind. Never mind. We'll do, we'll do the oh, conference somewhere far away. It's a go- it, so it's a gooseneck? <laughs> is it a gooseneck or is it, you, you, it's a pull trailer, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what a gooseneck is, but... Um, it's, uh, it's just like a hitch. So it's not like a, a fifth wheel. Is that oh, a gooseneck? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gooseneck's fifth wheel. Yeah. 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 So, um, it's, yeah, it's pretty big. I mean, it's got a, it's got a spare room in it. And so, I mean, it's pretty great. I, uh, 
I would love to be able to move it easier, but I don't, I don't have a truck. Well, we had a terrific time at the conference and hanging out and get to meet you this year. It seems like you had a good time too. Is there anything you want to say to the conference people or the rest of the audience here as a BC club member? Um, well, it was just fantastic. I mean, in so many ways, BC really, really changed my life. Like it's, I know that sounds so dramatic, but, but, uh, like before I joined BC club, like my life was so different. And then the people that I met there and at the conference, including Alicia, um, just like it helped me have confidence that I could do the things that I wanted to do in my life. And now, like, I sounds so ridiculous, but in every way, I'm really living like all of my dreams. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like the, that's the really com- encouraging. I, that makes yeah. me that that's not silly at all. That's like the best compliment any any person has ever given us. Well, like to, that some something that we were able to be a part of, and it means that much to you. That's that's phenomenal. Like you're you're doing things that you want to do, and you're living your life. Like that's pretty cool. People yeah. don't live their lives. No, they don't. they just live what the lives they think they're supposed to, or what other people tell them. And you're you're taking a chance and living the way you want to. That's just. That's a fucking unbelievable. I love that. Yeah, but that's not all the credit to us. You're saying the actual relationships that you have with the actual community, as digital right. as it may be, very much affects your life. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's huge. Like, um, like I joined in October, I think, and in September, like I had like no version of spirituality in my life at all because, like, I mean, yeah, church is not something that I'm very good at. Um, so I had like no version of spirituality. So yeah. And then, and then you guys talk about the BC club all the time and I was like, okay, well I'm going to do that. And then, uh, and then all the people that, yeah, like it's really, it's just all of it. It's all of it. Well, thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for being a BC club member and for a long time and at the level that you are. And I've enjoyed getting to know you and thank you for being on the show here today. Good luck in your RV park. And we'll see yep. you real soon, Kara. Yeah, thank you so and, much. And we're friends on Facebook. I saw you're in a relationship. I oh, made, oh, you made it official. Oh shit! She made it official. That's real deal. If you that's make it official deal. on Facebook, that's I mean, that's almost like a license. So, are you making fun of her? I mean, no, she's I'm saying she went. Right she went official. You don't, uh, it, it, it's not real. If you go that official on Facebook, that's more than like a. That's almost more than a marriage license. I think it's more important. I think in this day and age. <laughs> Deep down inside, I think you're making fun of her. I'm really upset. No, I, I am not. Uh, Kara, thank you so much for being on here. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. I'm so jealous of Kara. And now I'm going to be jealous of Alicia. 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 What do people call you? She's muted. Can you see us? Can you hear us? No, she's not muted anymore. There we yes, go. Yes, I am muted. Uh, so, when I introduce but, myself to people, especially like at con, yeah. Alicia, Alicia, Lish. Never Alyssa. Any of those, I'll correct you if you're wrong. What All did right. your parents some wiggle think, room All right, Lisa, thank you for effort. being here. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, you are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, tell us about... <laughs> that was an honor. It's an honor to be called Liz. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you to Alicia. I just prefer to say it. Alicia, if that's good enough, that's what I'm going to say. But uh, I, I want to say thank you to Alicia for being such a, a uh, very regular part of – she's in all of our groups. She is just a huge supporter. Is it Emeryland and the BC Club? She's just always there adding stuff. And it seems – and tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems that you – 
aim a lot of your efforts and posts and communications into making the group run well and be healthy and positive, which is much appreciated because on, online it's hard to do that. It's easy to go the other way. But I see you making an effort. I was curious if you think of that as like an active goal is to try to promote online and community group health. But Positivity. that is the effect either way. Yeah. Um, I mean, for the majority of my life, like most of my relationships have been online. So mm-hmm. um I know, I mean, especially with the club, I know how like toxic it can get. Uh So if we like try to connect with each other, see each other as humans, like Mm -hmm. we're all people, you know, maybe things won't get quite as toxic as they have in the past. Do you think it's pretty bad currently? No. (laughs) What a a bad question. question. I know. What a terrible question. I think it's a great question. There's a great question. There's a lot of stuff. She's an all in member. Yeah. This is fucking horrible. This is a fucking shitty trash. Give up, everybody. Okay, it's all right. (laughs) Well, I want to. I want to give, and I'll say Alicia too. uh, I want to give you. I want to give you a really good compliment, or what I think is a compliment. So I hope you take it this way. I feel like uh, our experiences in life have been way different, and you have, I believe, a grace about you and a friendliness that is just so interesting to me because I feel like. There are times probably where, even, I'm, I'm just talking about me personally, I think it's probably, you know, it goes for everybody. But I think you have a great way about you of giving people uh, a little bit of space, even if you disagree with them or even if your experiences are different or whatever it may be. You have a, that positive, it, it comes across as positivity, but it's deeper than that. It's an understanding of people and how you want people to interact with with each other. And you uh, are a great example of how people should interact with each other. Even if there's like, it, it, I mean, I think the group is great and I think there's always going to be fights or, or uh, disagreements or whatever, but I believe the way you bring humor, uh, sometimes you're self-deprecating, you don't take yourself too seriously. At the same time, you know what you believe and what you want to the world to be like, and you can, you encapsulate all that. So I, I just think it's really really great for me to see somebody like that. Cause I'm not like that. I don't give people much rope and you give people a lot of rope and are really kind, even when they are, are not that I wish I was more like that. So I, I always enjoy your comments and the, the way you interact with people is a good example for me personally, because I want to like fucking in people and you, you want to like help people <laughs> and be kind to them. That's just weird. That just, it freaks me out and I love it. Well, so I feel like I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, that is something that I like, I like kind of strive to make people feel like they're welcome, even if I hate everything they're saying. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, like I, I do, there is a level of tolerance there. Um, and some people have pushed well beyond that many times and I try not to, I just try to ignore them. Um, but yeah, I feel like. I feel like we're really similar in that we have a lot of empathy. Um, And I will attribute my years of customer service experience to uh, (laughs) a lot of my patients. Um, But yeah, I mean, we were all in a place that if we look back at ourselves like five, 10 years ago, I don't recognize that person. Mm -hmm. Like, I was 10 years ago, I was at a Christian college and I hated 
everything around me and now I'm dropping F-bombs everywhere. So right. loving every minute of it. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just we were just talk we were just talking and I I recalled how I sent a snail mail letter to an old tooth and nail artist asking them why they used hell in a song. That's Joey Swinton. I remember that story. I think you I mean, on the podcast. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's, it scarred me. So Alicia, you've had all your friends have been on line relationships. That's kind of a startling fact that we skimmed past well, there. Well, not all of them. <laughs> most though, even most or a lot. Some people think you can't have online friends. It's not real. Um, I, one of my best friends is, a guy I met in an IRC room, a chat room, 12, 11 years ago, 12 years mm-hmm. ago. Like I grew up. Okay. So I'm a massive nerd and like, I hate being outside. I work computer <laughs> games. I am in it. Like the online space is kind of my world. Physical world. Not so much. Your That's bag. what you know. <laughs> yeah yeah and i grew up in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere so like finding my people around me was not easy to do 100 mm-hmm. percent. so that's interesting though, but you're good at it like that that's what i'm saying like i'm almost jealous like that's the way you inter- the way you interact online is the the most like the best way i've seen like it, it just feels like it, you're right like you use the Long word practice. welcoming I, I think that's what it is you're right that's a the perfect word like that it does not feel like that online. And I'm 43 years old and I don't understand the internet as much as other people, but like the, the internet world is very real. It's almost the, it's, it's the most real in a way. It's the most thing that is the future and all of those things in the way I, I, I'm going to stop blowing smoke up your ass. I mean, you, I'm, I'm sure you're shitty in lots of ways. I mean, well, but, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're fucking really shitty too, but I just appreciate I it because I, I I think it's it, it's interesting how like because people don't understand how to interact. People make declarations and statements online, and then it's like Matt Matt has said this. It's like somebody standing in the middle of a square saying what who, who what they believe and who they are. And uh, I do believe it's it's a really amazing skill to go. Wait a minute. This person is either new or trying to figure this this new platform out or how they're supposed to interact online. And to be able to, like, how long, you said, like, your best friend, well, how long ago did you meet them online? Uh, we met online uh, 11-ish years ago. That's crazy. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I, I didn't even understand anything about the Internet. And you're making friends at lasting relationships. And I just think it's a really, really good example because th- that is the future. Like, what... The way we will connect with people, it, it, it's funny you say you don't like going outside. My wife doesn't either, but we, neither one of us understand the internet almost at all. And it's, <laughs> it's just, uh, I think it's really interesting, like, making lasting, real connections online is the future. It, 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 no, it's not the future. It's right now. I mean, it, you're right. Like, you, met, you 11 or 12 years ago, you were already uh, ahead of the game and doing all that. And I just think that's really interesting. But I don't, uh, the, the big question I have is, what, what drew you to this podcast? Like, we are fools. Like, like, what what is it about this podcast or the the group that that brought you here? That's a profound question, um, Toby. Well, I discovered you guys. Gosh, I think I've been a clubber since like 2016 or something. Yeah. Um, and I found you guys when I was looking for podcasts to listen to on a road trip, and I had like I have I haven't been to church since I was like 16. 
Um, so that's for, and I mean, like I kind of hated it. Um, but I still like, I, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I wouldn't even align myself, but I still had that upbringing and that kind of like, you know, the world doesn't make sense without a God. And what you guys were saying, I was like, I was really relating with, even though I was in a different place. Cause I mean, three years ago, you guys were in a totally different place too. Right. Um, but I feel like I've kind of grown with you guys and like understood. We're losing Alicia. I can't hear do y'all. All right, so I, we need you. You were going out. The question is, why in the world did you join the club and have been supporting us as an all-in member as long as you have? Well, I mean, I've only been an all-in member for like a month now. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like. How long were you a BC clubber before you became an all-in member? I, I've been a clubber since like 2016. You son of a bitch. Good Lord. What took you so long? I mean, I joined for con for tickets. I see. <laughs> Scammer. I brought Melissa. I'm sorry. You guys had a payment plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we really do appreciate you joining the club and being a part of it and contributing as much as you do. I mean, and I mean, even to Emory. I mean, you are a voice on the internet, so we do really appreciate it. Um, and the last thing here, sounds like you're trying to, you live in Minnesota. I know that I follow, I'm online and I'm online a lot now. Uh, are are you trying to get out of Minnesota? You trying to move? Yes. What's wrong with Minnesota? So many things. Well, um, I mean, it's frozen half the year, right? Um, it snows in May. Why? I know. Um, it's a lot of outdoor stuff. What's your favorite thing about Minnesota, though? If you say the Minnesota Vikings, we're not friends. We're huge Green Bay Packer fans, as you know. Are you into so. sports? Um, I am not into sports. All right. But, I don't know. It is pretty here. But Is this where you were born and raised? No, no. Oh. Um, where were you born? Oh, no, I, I am from Ohio, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, Minnesota's an upgrade. I'll say that. <laughs> well, we we really appreciate you supporting us and supporting, I mean, just being a, a real part of the BC Club. And uh, so thank you so much. Thank you for your chill vibe. That's what I'm going to call it, the chill vibe. The chill vibe, baby. Chill I like vibe. it. I like it. It's, it's chill until, like, the knife emojis come out. Right. And then it gets vicious. Yeah. It gets- I've seen a few knife emojis, and it got pretty – it got pretty – dangerous is what I would say. They're completely serious and not at all sarcastic. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Alicia, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we really do appreciate you.